Welcome to One, where we'll learn about North Park one story at a time. Well, welcome. Welcome to another episode of One, a one body mini stories where we're getting to know folks in uh, the body of North Park and really hear their stories. And I'm really thrilled today to have uh, Mark Gould uh, as our guest. And many of you know Mark, uh, who is uh, uh, has wears many hats. Uh, and we'll get to talk about that here in a little bit. But one of the hats that Mark wears is leading our production team uh, here at North Park. And so a lot of things that go on in the background uh, Mark is uh, uh, responsible for and a lot of the good things that happened there. So Mark, hey man, welcome to One. Glad to have you. Thank you very much. It's good to be here <laughs> on Robert Cavan Productions here. I love it. <laughs> That's great. You know, it's, it's kind of uh, weird because what the other thing, uh, one of the you know, major hats, right, for Mark is that he is a trained filmmaker, as many of you know, and a director. And uh, what was fun was a few years ago getting to uh, go to the movie that you uh, 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 produced and directed and, you know, what, you know, red carpet and being a part of that. So to sit here and be interviewing, uh, you know, you, you're on the other side the mic now buddy you're no longer behind the camera what's that like uh you know what you got to do a lot of interviews also when you're when you're when you make a film so you get kind of used to it and i used to be an actor that's how this whole shebang started so this is like nothing to me except for this mic that kind of flops around on my my hands right (laughs) come on man rookie move you can't touch the mic rookie (laughs) move come on can't touch the mic um yeah no it's i i being on this side of acted i've done all that stuff so yeah but it's fun to get interviewed and to interview people so yeah. i know you're going to interview me but it may turn into your interview also so oh, just no, watch no. out i can't do that good try <laughs> good try there cowboy <laughs> just watch out buddy <laughs> no i'm gonna try to hold on the reins it may be kind of hard no see i never knew this about you. this is why i love doing this you you acted before i didn't realize that yeah, that's I mean how I really got into it. Uh, I mean, uh, my undergrad, I I have a bachelor in science, but our bachelor bachelor in arts at uh, a BFA at New Mexico State, which is a right. redneck school that does <laughs> go Lobos, <laughs> Argo, right? The, the Lobos, the Aggies. no, 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 Aggies. Oh, the Lobos are U and M, but oh, okay. the, the Aggies are the ones that are like agricultural school, and they have a theater department. But what's interesting, <laughs> and people don't know it, is their theater department is one of the top ones in the nation because it's a professional stage. It's called American Southwest wow. Theater Company. I didn't know that. I mean, I loved doing stuff in high school. I got in there, and that's kind of where I started. Really, actually, really started my career was there. Um, my professional career was was at um, New Mexico State because it was a professional wow. stage. That and is it, really cool. And I was going to be, you know, the next Tom Cruise or something like that. I was like. <laughs> Hey, there's still time. I, I have complete faith in you, brother. I got gray hair. <laughs> the hair's starting to go away. Well, they say 50's the new 20. You're, you're yeah. there, brother. You're there. I know. The 50's are there. <laughs> hey, I'm well, a Hawaiian now. There you go. Well, hey, you know, so from, from New Mexico uh, out to California, now you went to CalArts here in town, right? So is that what brought you out here was going to CalArts? Yeah, so uh, I was at when I was at New Mexico State, my whole goal was to be an actor. Um, like my last year, I started writing plays. And uh, there was a person by the name of Mark Medoff who was a teacher there and a professor for years. And he wrote a play called Children of a Lesser God. And that was an Tony Award-winning play that uh, won, he won a Tony. And then it started his film career. And then he started, you know... Um, Claire's Heart, and there was several films that he was a writer. And actually, my last year at New Mexico State, he had a film for a bunch of college students, and I got to read, and I was all nervous as I'll get out I'm, for some producers because they were Hollywood producers coming wow. from, I think it was Sony at the time, and they wanted to hear the script, and he invited, and they flew out, and I was one of the readers. I was the lead actor, and I was so nervous. Wow! Um, but I, I just didn't. It wasn't that good of a script so i it wasn't ever going to get made but it was such an honor though to do that so i actually started going i don't think i'm gonna make it in a world where there's two million really good looking actors out there guys that probably have a better voice and well connected and i was like but i I really actually got the feel for film at that time 
And so I didn't really even think of it, think of it as much because I graduated and I had a year off. So I was walking through the library and in the library, there was like film schools. Now his son-in-law went to a, uh, American theater. Wait, what was it? What's it called? AFI, American Film Institute, his son got accepted. And that's one okay. of the top five. Okay. So I was like, I think I'm going to try and get into that. And I didn't, um, I wasn't able to apply that year. And so, cause I was late. So I was mm -hmm. like, okay, next year. So I went into the library at New Mexico state and there was this orange book and I pulled it open. And this orange book is like, it said Cal arts on it. I was like, what is Cal arts? <laughs> It's wow. What is called? So I opened it up, I looked in it, and they had a film program. And the film program was called Directing for Theater, Video, and Cinema. Hmm. And I was like, all right, I got the theater part. Maybe I can sneak in there and then work on, on cinema and stuff like that. So it was just a pain in the butt application. It took me about a day and a half to get through it because I had to, you know. You know, tell them all the books I've read, which was probably about two at the time, and I just flubbed the rest <laughs> of them. And then, it, it, then they asked you, you know, to write, you know, paragraphs on what your theories of acting in, and then you had to act. But it was just a, a laborious process just to put the application. So I put it in, didn't even think about it, you know. Um, and at the time, I had written two plays that were picked up uh, by another school, and it was touring. Let's see, I was, and, and a play that I wrote with another guy called 187, and I had three plays at the time, and I was touring different plays within New Mexico, Texas, Oklahoma, and Arizona. Those were where all the plays were going at the time, and I was wow. like, wow. I was like, hey, I'm on a roll. And then all of a sudden, I, out of the blue, I got, <laughs> I got accepted to CalArts. I didn't think anything because it was the Orange Book School. And I was like, I don't know if I want to go there. And I went and I showed Mark Medoff and everybody. I go, hey, I got into CalArts. And they all looked at me like, huh? How did you get into CalArts? <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? They're like, it's one of the toughest schools to get into. And I was like, the Orange Book is tough to get into. <laughs> you know? That's awesome. Um, so they brought me out. I went in here and I looked and essentially it was, um, I was the only male American accepted in oh the film program that year. Yeah. Goodness gracious, Mark. Wow, <laughs> what year was that? <clears throat> that was uh, 1995 I got accepted and okay. I came out here. Yeah. Wow. Well, for, for those maybe that aren't as familiar with Cal Arts, uh, another sort of uh, uh, thing on that, there's a documentary called uh, Pixar or like Making a Pixar or something like that. It's on Netflix. And uh, uh, one of the guys who, you know, I forget his name, but is a you know, founder of Pixar was a Cal Arts grad. Like, like kind of at the beginning of Cal Arts and then to, to Disney and then from Disney to Pixar, just kind of give you the sense of the chops of um, Cal Arts. I mean, like this is like the school. So, man, well done. So you were yeah. there for, uh, for how long at, at, at Cal Arts? Well, Cal, Bar Cal Arts is a real liberal school. I mean, it's mm. probably when you when I came out here for Cal Arts, because I was getting my master's, it's a three-year degree, but it's extremely okay. liberal. Hmm. And so... People who live in, in, in Santa Cruz area and you say you went to CalArts, you know, they're going, hmm. Where is eyebrow. Yeah, what's this guy really like, you know? <laughs> and here's this conservative redneck walking in with a bunch of liberals in, from all over the world. That's the education you get. That's mm. the real education you get. You can be as good as an artist. And I, I'm, you know, I, our education in New Mexico, let's be honest, is not, it was not the best. Uh, you come out to California and some of the schools out here, and it's top notch. You know, yeah. it's top notch. So I had to play a lot of catch up, and I still am playing catch up with my education. Not that my parents didn't try to give me the best they could. It's just it is what it is. So, but sure. Cal Arts itself was extremely, extremely liberal. You know, it, there's so many people that come out of Ed Harris. You know, I can. You know, so many people that I think are extremely talented actors and directors, you know, mm. came from CalArts. So it was kind of an honor to, 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 to get in there and, and, and be with that many people and have that kind of like, it was a, it was a huge stepping stone in my life. And it was trans a transition in my life going from New Mexico to California. Um, Big change. Huge, yeah. You come from a, I've, I, I'm a Southern Baptist, growing up Southern Baptist, going into a very liberal school. Wow. 
And so, yeah, it was, it was definitely, it, it challenged me. I became more liberal at that time. And I started mm-hmm. you know, following those, uh, that trap too. But you, get to, but you get to open your eyes a little bit more, which I, I think God puts you through that. That, yeah, that it's sort of a baptism by fire, right? Apps, <laughs> more than fire. Yeah. <laughs> more like torching. <laughs> the furnace. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. kind of rewind the, the tape here for a second, because it's like you came into CalArts um, as, as, a, as a Christ follower. So yeah. w- w- tell me about that. When, when did you trust in Christ? Like when did your faith, you know, become yours? Because it sounds like when you had transitioned into CalArts, that had already mm-hmm. occurred. Oh yeah, when I was seven, eight wow. years old. I got yeah, I think it was eight. I want to say eight. I said seven. It was eight. You know, you're you're you you have those revivals as a Southern Baptist kid growing up, mm-hmm. and I my mom she just knows her kids. She's that lady that just knew your kids, mm-hmm. and I was just sitting there, you know, when they were called at altar, doing the little dance, and she's you know looked at me because you want to go forward, and I was like, Mm-mm. and I would did it for like a month. I was like, I'm not gonna, I don't know what, I'm scared to walk up there, but she could see that God was because I was dancing every. <laughs> at wow. the cross, at the cross, wherever. <laughs> you know, all of a sudden, I'm just feeling it, right? You feel you, know, you do. You really do. And there's something about, even at eight, I, I distinctly remember walking down the aisle, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it's embarrassing. It's um, humbling. Even at eight, I still have those feelings. And I still remember that walking down and then going into the room and praying with, and I don't remember his name. I'll be honest. It was one of the the deacons, but I remember praying. And I do remember being in that room at eight years old and uh, feeling the Holy Spirit come upon you. you. I really remember it. And, you know, you just, it's so incredibly powerful. Um, and so that's was that real. was actually my real start of my journey. And for some people who who get saved later in life, I think uh, they have the upper hand sometimes. And I say that in a sense because they understand it and don't take it for uh, granted that it that that it's been embedded in them. And that's kind of what you do. You get saved. And then, uh, but I don't know how many times I asked Jesus into my heart since then. And then forgive me for all my sins, because I mean, I keep having to beg for forgiveness and make sure that I'm saved because, you know, there's so many times in life I kept asking the Lord, you know, and, but that's good. I think a lot of Christians who start from the beginning, keep reminding themselves and that, you know, once you're, you're saved, you're saved, but you're not, free of sin. You've got to constantly come in and, and, and um, realize that, that God is, is there for you, but you're a sinner and you're still human. And um, the humanity that I, I had to go through and it went through mm-hmm. those stages and it was something that I tried to, 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 to hold on to. And as I went through high school, my mom did push us and I was doing a lot of stuff with the youth group in, in high school. And that, that did build my faith more towards my high school life. Uh, my mom was very, very, very pushy about us. Um, continue working within the church. I love my mom. She's such a, a, a warrior. Um, she doesn't, she wouldn't tell you that. She was like, no, I'm not a warrior, but she is a warrior <laughs> in, in Christ. And my dad really was not, my, not that my dad wasn't saved or anything like that, but my dad was worried about putting food on the table. That was mm-hmm. his job. And that's what he did. He would work 17 hours. So wow. but he was there every Sunday you know, and he was, you know, he helped out with offering and stuff like that. But he did kind of, as as he got older before he died, two, three, two and a half years, almost three, actually, the next month. Yeah. Um, he did become closer and we did have more relationship where we could talk about God and, and the importance of it in his life. Not just because he got cancer, but beforehand he was, became more and more um, focused on God and and. Christ and, and and trying to raise me later on in life, which you're constantly raising your children, as we all know. <laughs> that is so true. That's, and for you, you've got uh, what fifteen kids? Uh, <laughs> just two. Just two, right? Just two. <laughs> it feels like fifteen sometimes. Love you, kids. Exactly. Um, exactly. No, they're they're great kids. I don't. They're great kids. They they're, that, they they tell, tell us about them. They know a little bit more. You know they both went to Trinity and uh, they, at first they didn't, they went to, to just, you know, public schools, which is great. And then I started working for Trinity and then we felt the transition going from junior high into high school would be uh, 
important for them to get a Christian education, but rooted Christian and classical training. And um, I think, not that everybody can have that, but if that opportunity is there and you can afford it, I think it's a very important thing to um, allow kids to go into, um, especially the classical training that's going on right now. And mm. they really ground them in faith. Virtue, wisdom, courage, you know, they have all of the, the elements that uh, I believe uh, kids need to have going into this world right now because of the social media crash and everybody, every, they're getting hit right and left. So I'm very excited about my um, son, Maxton, who's graduating um, this year. He's um, he's a senior. And then my daughter who graduated um two years ago and then she went through because they all the dual credits graduated from college in less than two years or two years exactly so now she's working with me and uh you know she's a 20 year old who graduated early and now trying to figure out life too and we've both been there at our 20s we understand how hard that is you know for sure. Well, and it's fun yeah. seeing them because they come in and get to help dad, uh, you know, yeah. on Sunday mornings, you know, behind the camera. And so yeah. it's kind of neat to see them there yeah. and, you know, getting to do that with you. And so it's, uh, it's fun. And, you know, both of us have sons who are seniors and kind of making that transition. Although this is my first going off and you've already yeah. experienced that, that kind of going off. And, you know, it was interesting watching you here a few years ago, kind of go through that and the, the joy, you know, of her going going off uh, to Arizona and going to school, but yeah. also that, you know, that sense of sadness, you know, but joy. And um, it reminds me of a story that uh, I think it'd be fun for folks to hear about, about you, was while she was there at, um, at school, uh, tell a story about how you surprised her uh, at the basketball game. Oh, yeah. So, my undergrad is in New Mexico State, and she went to GCU, and GCU is in the same division as New Mexico State. Grand Canyon, right? Grand Canyon, yeah, Grand Canyon University. And so her first year there, she's like, you know, Dad, you should come up for the game. And I was like, I don't have time for the, to go to the game. You know, I'm busy. And she's like, well, yeah, you should come to the game so I can watch us spank you. And it's like, okay. <laughs> Talking now, GCU in the last six years has beaten New Mexico State one time. They have a good program, but it's, you know, New Mexico State has the system kind of down right now. And, yeah. you know, even though they get their first L every time they make it to the dance, but they still have the system down. So, you know, it was the year, that year, and I finally was able to... Um, it was, I think it was in February. She kept saying, you should come. I said, I can't come. And then she forgot about it. And so she goes, I'm good. You watch it on, on TV. And I'm like, all right. So I grabbed my son and I was like, well, I'm going to go there and um, I'm going to get some really good seats. It's right across. Now, if you ever get online, you can watch GCU has one of the best fan base because all their students it's kind of a small stadium but their students take up half of the whole stadium and they have a dance and they're like in sync and it's so intimidating and a lot of players say it's one of the most intimidating places to play so i knew that she was going to the game she said she's going to get there early so that she can watch the spanking and what i did was i made a couple of signs and <laughs> i got directly across from her it was i mean i mean God's hand to help me get there. But I was sitting right across from her. On the other side of court. So you're, you're, of court. you're yeah, on sorry. the New Mexico side. opposite, yeah. Facing the, yeah. the student section right. of, and of I Grand had, Canyon. I, had my, I was full-fledged New Mexico State sitting with all the fans that are Grand Canyon. I mean, there's really hardly any New Mexico State people. <laughs> you're surrounded and by the kids. I'm just surrounded kids. all over. And I have just this card with New Mexico State. And at the time, you know, she was really into the TV show, or, or what was it? A HBO show. I just lost the name of it right when you wanted the big famous one about, oh, geez, winter's coming. Okay. Whatever. It was just posters. So I had New Mexico State posters. I can't believe I forgot that. But anyway, she was sitting over on the other side. And as soon as they started doing their chant, I stood up, <laughs> the only New Mexico person. And I had NMSU right there, and I held the sign up. <laughs> and then I, there, there was like 
a thousands of them. They look over at me and I just sit there and then I just pointed at her and she's like just sitting there going, I can't believe my dad showed up to this game. And my son was with me. He left me, ran over to the other side and started cheering with them. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. So I was left alone, but I was okay. We still beat him. It was a oh. fun, fun thing. It was one thing I'll never forget. Uh, well, the video life. that you, when you, um, so first I know uh, Mark uh, and uh, Elizabeth Von Bush and Steve and Peter, we, we all meet each week for the production team uh, for, for Sunday services. Game of Thrones. And, Game of Thrones. How could I have not thought of Game of Thrones? I'm sorry. <laughs> I it said winter in. is coming. Yeah, there you go. It pops in. And uh, man, I still remember you, you coming in that next Tuesday. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you had the video yeah. of exactly what you described. I mean, the, the arena is going nuts. I mean, it's oh, just yeah. thumping. The thing is filled oh, yeah. to capacity. I mean, there are just students going nuts, right, for this basketball game. And then you see there on video, and here's this one lone dude with an Mexico shirt pop up with the sign. Yeah. And, Oh man, that was awesome. Like that I do was have great. to say, I was trying for them to like point at me or get mad. They wouldn't do, I couldn't provoke them. I couldn't they were too nice. They, no, they were all like, well, they had their dances and then whatever they had. But I did provoke everybody around me. They were like, sit down, put your sign down. Because <laughs> they were mad because I was beating. They didn't say anything to me until the game was getting, and they were getting spanked. And then all oh, of a sudden, I, so I just turn around with the sign and say, okay. <laughs> That is awesome. No, that's just fantastic, buddy, because that is just so cool. And she had no clue you were going to be there. Yeah. And then all of a sudden she's like, and I remember you saying she was sort of like, who is that guy? <laughs> you well, talked to her later and she was like, I think that's my dad. Well, she was watching and she said, that was pretty cool that somebody had a sign winter is coming because it was all a Game of Thrones thing okay. going. And I, she thought that was, hey, some New Mexico State guy is kind of cool. And then she kept looking and then I kept pointing at her and pointing at her. She's like, is he pointing at me? And then when she realized that she, we have, I have video of her going, dad, it's my dad, you know? <laughs> she wouldn't walk all the way down and come say hi to me. I had to walk up and meet her, but you know. Uh, that's great, man. That yeah. is awesome. Well done. That's, that's epic, dude. That's epic. You that's know, those epic. parents always have to embarrass their kids, even in college. Absolutely. It's a, it's a rite of passage. Right. And at least right now, I've got the advantage because yeah, of the age do. of my kids. I just simply have to breathe, <laughs> and I pretty much do it. So it's pretty simple. Well, hey, your son is a great football player. So you being on the sidelines and you screaming, I'm sure, well, I'm sure you do that, don't you? You're, you're, are you I'm not completely a calm. Just, uh, you know, yeah. like the, <laughs> nope, like a windless ocean, buddy, a windless lake, man. I don't think Dude, there, I'll be honest with you. So there was one game here. I think this uh -huh. is a, a sophomore year and it is playing, I think they're playing Burbank and uh, we were at their um, stadium. And honestly, in all my years of playing football, all my years of watching football uh -huh. and I'm being objective, it was the worst officiated game in the history of the sport. It oh. was unbelievable. Like, so he played defensive end and uh -huh. he'd come around the corner and the, the, uh, the tackles would, and the running back come to block him, their double team would grab his Jersey. They uh -huh. pulled it off of him. Like pulled it like off, like over his head. I mean, you know, it's like, I wonder if that's holding. And so he goes to the ref, his Jersey's off. Right. And he goes, you going to call that? And the ref goes, the, you just got to take care of that yourself. That's your job. Like the ref said that to him. And, oh. I, I would love for him to grab the ref's jersey and pull it up on it. <laughs> you got to take care of that one too. Yourself, you know? That's but crazy. I, was, I was completely calm. Mark, there was no, you know, me getting upset in the stands. Or oh, yelling. I, I would assume that was, yeah, you oh. were just all quiet too. about Absolutely. <laughs> I was about to lose my mind. I bet you were. I would man. be too. Especially watching because, you know, he was <sighs> beating them. The only uh, reason they're holding on to him is he was beating them. Coming around uh, the corner is pretty good, I'm assuming. That's fun stuff, man. That's fun stuff watching our kids. Oh, now, yeah. In addition, like you said, to uh, you know your own kids, and, and they're going through that. So one of the other hats you wear is you teach uh, at Trinity, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and what do you teach there? Uh, I teach film. I teach film. And uh, I think I, you know... Once I started teaching at Trinity, my film career kind of started to go a little bit. Well, that's not true. I mean, because I already had been doing TV for you know, four years, three years, two years, somewhere around there. But I think the thing about teaching is um, you have, you learn your art 
and you learn mm. your craft a little bit better because you have to explain it. It's not just here. So I mm. teach film and I encourage, you know, students to kind of really tell story. Um, we mm. don't have the technology like the big schools have. So the only thing I can do basically is just teach um, them how to tell story. And I try to tell everybody, because a lot of kids aren't going to go be filmmakers. In fact, maybe one every three years. I go, it doesn't matter if you're going to be doing you know, film, or if you're going to be, especially business, you're going to walk in here. You need to tell story. How's your story? What are you, what are you trying to sell? And if you're going to sell something, how do you tell your story of what you're selling? This is the product, you know, this is what, mm -hmm. so I go, what you're learning right now is, is, is through life. Um, you're going to be using these skills, right. And, you know, for life, you know, is what am I trying to tell? And what's the story? And so that's the, the thing I try to teach kids uh, as they go through, um, my class and you know they're, they're they're teenagers and i think you know i've had some of them come back to me and go i really loved your class and it's it's been effective for me you know um in college and i'm not even a business major i'm a mechanical engineer <laughs> and i'm like wow yeah <laughs> but i mean it, i think just the basic story storytelling skills just helps yeah. Oh, absolutely. And to weave yeah. those together. Yeah. What well, I'm guessing this is the case, and tell me if I, uh, it's the case, is based on you know your experience in the you know quote unquote real world, right? And, and particularly in the industry. You know, yeah. so you mentioned you know coming through Cal Arts, and man, this is you know a yeah. really liberal uh, mm -hmm. place, and you know, and so in some sense, a lot of times you're the lone flag in the wind, and then you know you this career uh, in in the industry in Hollywood, and so as a as a follower of Jesus, you know, you've got this experience of how uh, to be a light in the midst of that, you know, to be able to tell a story and to be real and form real, you know, real relationships and really, you know, love on people and, you know, kind of meet them where they're at and, you know, not be judgmental, but show them, you know, who Christ is. And a lot of times uh, that's not easy. And so I'm imagining in your Trinity class, there's the opportunity to kind of weave in your story of what is it like to be a follower of Jesus, you know, uh, in sort of your own story as it's being played out, you know, uh, uh, in, in your job? Like, what has that been like for you? Um, as a teacher, I, 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 I can give some examples. I don't think they're that interested. Most of them that are coming in um, uh, to film class, uh, I can tell them, you know, they don't understand how hard it is to get one make mm. a film made. <laughs> Most yeah. of them, they really don't. That's it's it's not that they're dumb. It's just that they can't comprehend it. How, yeah, how there's no frame is. of reference. There's no frame of reference. So, like when I tell them, it's like them watching something on social media, going, "Oh, this is just a story," and everybody has this kind of story until they get in and they start doing it. Um, and I don't share um, personal stuff with them as much as I do outside, like mm. with. Um, uh, like other other Christians, and when we talk, and I'm, I'm like, you, you got to understand, because I mean, I think that's where that skill and that tool comes yeah. in effect more, and and speaking with other Christians um, that are, have gone through life a little bit, going, wait a minute, guys, you know, because I think I'm very much of a moderate. I think the thing that helped me a lot by going to Cal Arts and becoming a little bit more liberal and going that direction for a while, and I didn't lose my direction from being a Christian or lose, you know. But I wasn't as strong as my high school kind of undergrad, but I, you know, I, I got a little bit away from it. I, and then I started questioning a lot, but it was great because, you know, coming to North Park and then coming into finding myself more as a moderate. And when I say that, I'm not just talking politics. I'm talking about understanding our humanity and um, being a, a real Christian. Because um, growing up, you're going to find a lot of people um, that are very judgmental. And it's, I, I say that with a lot of Christians and I do believe this because that was me. I do feel like we get so lost into what's right or wrong or what the Bible just says that we forget that we're all, there's humanity here and we're sinful nature that people don't see it the same way as we do. And you got to go, you got to step out and go, hold on a second. Mm. Good for you. You're trying to live this Christian life and everything. And you're going to look over here because they're yelling at you over here. And, you know, you're going to, which we have our, our perfect division, the ideal division in this country right now for a lot of people. But I'm like, 
learn to walk that middle ground, you know? And so um, a lot of these kids, I'm, I'm bringing back a little bit to Trinity, they'll bring in, you know, movies that they watch or something that they have seen that they're not supposed to, you know, be kind of indulging, you know, a rated R film. And I'm like, let's talk about it. Let's, let's, you know, let's talk about the film that you just watched. And I try to stay up to date on some of these films um, with what they're watching so that we can have a mature conversation about it and going, well, how does that make you feel? What do you think the director was trying to guide you to? Where do you think mm. the storytelling was leading you? How do mm. you feel about this? You know? Sure. Uh, and that's, I think that's awesome because now I, ha I have that tool and God gave me that tool because of CalArts and because of the business I'm in and I'm having to deal constantly with people like that. A lot of narcissists in my <laughs> world well, of, of filmmaking, you know? Yeah, well, let's talk about that because, I, <clears throat> you know, where you were going just a second ago is really, uh, I think, uh, fascinating, really powerful is that, you know, you're living your faith out, you know, in this industry that's by and large you know, not known as uh, a cauldron uh, or, uh, you know, a safe haven, safe haven place for Christians. And, you know, you, you've done well there, you know, you respect in the industry, um, but you're not ashamed of the gospel. And that's one thing I respect about you, Mark, is that, you know, you, you. You, it's not like you wear one hat on Sunday and then a different hat, you know, sort of a different persona, uh, you know, face, you know, on uh, on Monday or Tuesday or whatever, when you're meeting with colleagues or investors and stuff, it's like, no, this is who I am. I'm Mark. I follow Jesus. And, you know, it, it, life is messy. And, you know, here we go. And I, I respect that about you because, Thank you. Um, and I think that's one of the, the things that I think God is calling the church to do and do even more of and do even better is you know, he's called us to be missionaries. Every one of us, and it's no uh, uh, chance where you're at, you know, that job, that, that location that God has put you, it's not by chance. That, that's your mission field. And yeah. hearing you talk each week, and that's what's so fun getting to hang out with, with you guys every Tuesday is so many of our discussions weave, you know, in just like what's going on in the world, what's going on in our life. Yeah. And, and very much that sense of, okay, how does what we're talking about, you know, uh, in church and on Sunday and these things fit into the, the ebb and flow of, of life and weaving the gospel into those conversations? And I don't know, for, you know, for you, what's that like um, as a Christian living out your faith on a day-to-day -day basis in, in those environments? Well, I mean, if you do any research on me, you can go to IMDb and you'll see Mark Landry Gould. I put it Landry for a reason because, you know, I had to, uh, there's so many Mark Goulds, but I put Mark Landry Gould. Now, wait a minute. Before you even go further, IMDb. is Landry for Tom Landry? So <laughs> I, I asked my mom and she said, yes. She was really uh, for the Dallas Cowboys, Tom Landry. No, she really wasn't. She just liked the name Landry. She thought oh. Tom Land, the name Landry is great. So oh, she, okay, because she, I know you're a huge Dallas Cowboy uh, fan, yeah, right? Uh, so okay, so I was just thinking this is part so of your beloved. You it's right. It's right there. You go, Dallas Cowboys, right there. Yeah. <laughs> just a reminder, you know. When I walk out, I tap it, you know, three times as I walk out. Play like a champion, you know, Dallas Cowboys, little Roger Staubach, you know, little Randy White, Deacon Jones. And that thing's been taken down and hit on the crown a couple of times the last few years, last 15, 20 years. But, um, oh, I'm sorry, I got you digress. No, anyway, so, no, so that's fine. But she, you know, I, I, I made sure that it was the same. But if you go online, you're going to find out. I work at North Park. You can find out any information you can online. And you're going to see I work at Trinity Classical Academy. What's that about, you know? if they do their research, which a lot of people in the industry do, they know exactly. So I'm not going to walk in there and says, Jesus loves you. You need to get saved kind of a shirt. You don't need to do that. You really don't. You know, mm -hmm. you need to come on said, be who you are. And then I, 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 and I've learned this in the last eight years is that you're a vessel. You're nothing mm -hmm. but a vessel here. <laughs> if you don't accept that you're not a vessel. So you don't need to go there and, Go out and claim that Jesus Christ is my personal savior and yell that. First of all, if you're living the life and you try to do the best you can, which we're not perfect, and you know, I drink alcohol, you know, I, you don't try and be perfect in front of somebody's eyes so that you can be a witness. Yeah. You be you. Yeah. And, uh, and that's the thing I've learned. You be you. And then all of a sudden, God's going to bring everything to you. And then you better start praying, boy, because um, you're going right. to get asked questions. And 
what it's happening is that God's going to use you at that time. You pray because you're going, well, what about your faith? Or they're like, well, what do you believe? You get that a lot. And, oh, those stupid Christians. And, you know, at first you're going to go, oh, stupid Christians, because sometimes they don't know you're a Christian too. You just have to go, okay, Lord, how do I talk about this? You got to first breathe and go, and I, I had to learn that is like, mm. you can't win that game if you think you're going to get an intellectual fight with them. Mm. But you can win the game is if you listen to God and talk through what they want, what they need to hear at that time and trust that God's going to use you to plant a seed. Now that's up to them if they're going to water the seed or let, let that seed grow, but you're going to be there to plant seeds. And that's what I think with, you know, anytime I'm on set, you know, there hasn't been a time that I'm not on set and when you're the director. People are like, Oh, here comes the director. And you know, they have walkie talkies. The director's going to the restroom right now. And, you know, you're all eyes are on you. You're just like, you kind of want to hide out sometimes, but there's not a time when you're not sitting over there uh, speaking with some actors, you know, they're having a cigarette. I'll go over and have a cigarette with them smoking. I mean, I smoked for years, but I don't mind. I can have a cigarette. I'll sit around. We'll just start talk, talking and, you know, mm. and it, I'll tell you almost every single time they're going to, you know, well, what do you think? Or how do you feel about this? And either politics will take you into it, but your faith mm-hmm. somehow lands there in the middle. And most people are baffled when you're like very acceptant of what their thoughts and feelings are. It takes their defense down, takes their shield down and go, you know, I've never thought of that, you know, or, mm. yeah, I've thought about that. I dealt with that when I was in college and these are things that I thought of, but by taking their, their, their defense down and being able to, they become more open to you. And that's the way I feel that I try and, and lead. Yeah, that's well said. Well, and just in conversations with you, buddy, of just, you know, examples, you know, situations you've been in and, and circumstances and hearing just, you know, how that has played out. You know, I've just seen you do that and and heard how you've done that. And I think just it's really uh, solid because, one, I think it's a, a model of really what Jesus did, right? He went to where yeah. folks were, yeah. right? And, and when he was there, it, it was you know, I just, you know, love you, you know, tax collector, whatever it is. And I'm just loving you for who you are. I'm meeting you where you're at. I'm not going to expect you to get cleaned up and then come to me. Right. And just kind of meeting them on their turf. And then, you know, I think the thing that I've seen you do well is, you know, you're not defensive. So if there's some, you know, kind of contentious issue that comes up, you know, you're not like, oh gosh, I have to, you know, win a battle here. It's like, oh, okay, great. So that's how you feel. Okay. Well, hey, let me tell you, you know, uh, you know, how I feel or, you know, how's it come out as a Christian and okay, cool. And I, I think that's just a really solid way to do it. Of Thank like, you. No reason to be defensive. And, you know, and I think the underlying thing that I see with you model well, man, is to be a friend, to like authentically be a friend with someone. Yeah. And I think that's, man, that's just solid. Life's too short. Let's enjoy each other. And whether you agree or disagree with somebody, um, you don't know what your influences will have on people. So yeah. don't judge people. I really, even if they're not your, your, your think the way you do or say what you want, it's hard, especially with uh, today and what's going on with uh, the world right now. And it's easy to go there. And I go there all the time. But I mean, but when you get to someone one-on-one, you just sit there and go, okay, let's... Let's have that conversation, those tough conversations. But let's have a conversation. Let's not have a one-sided. The ones that are, I, I do I do get a little frustrated when you have the one-sided conversation um, yeah. because you can't break those, that ice, you know. But I enjoy, you know, those conversations with people, anyone, you know. Well, and it's that sense of being able to be a friend to someone and, and legitimately, authentically love somebody. Yeah. And not agree with them. Like, I don't agree with you. I don't agree maybe with what you're doing or lifestyle. But you know what? You are still somebody that I love because God loves you. Like, dude, that is, that's legit. You know what's interesting, Robert? It's really, especially right now, I feel like that um, the atmosphere we're in and from anywhere from the COVID to Black Lives Matters to the politics that are going. 2020, obviously, everybody's like, it's the worst of time. And I'm actually, I'm not, I don't feel that I, I feel like it's the most opportunity time right now. And I just, I, I honestly feel that way is because I do think that people are going to talk and they were And I think it's so important that you're, you're able to just kind of like, cause it's so complex, just the way people believe about COVID. <laughs> that alone is the most complex thing you could ever, you know, 
do you wear a mask? Do you not wear a mask? Do you see people going, okay, are you going to wear a mask? Am I going to wear a mask? Okay, are we going to hug? Are we not going to hug? Are we buddies? Are you, am I going to get you COVID sick? Are you going to get me COVID sick? Is You know what? I don't want to get sick. It's so complex that you just kind of like, yeah. you walk up to someone, they'll take their mask off. Can I give you a hug? Yeah. You know, I've walked into people, they have their mask on, they're like, stay six feet. I, I had my, one of my closest friends who lives in Hollywood, who's, um, you know, he's, he's gay and he like invited me for, for, um, I go, let's go have breakfast. He's like, you, you're going to restaurants to have breakfast. I haven't done that since April. In fact, my, um, people that I live, uh, live upstairs from me, we, they came over and we sat on opposite sides of our mask. And I'm like, okay, so let's have breakfast with mask on, but let's have breakfast at least, you know, let's just hang out. I miss you. And I want to hang out and talk with you. And that's the, th the thing I think people mm -hmm. go adapt to them, you know, and that's the fun thing about it is when they see that again, that's the shield coming down is be yeah. their friend, you know, understand that it's not about you or what you want, your politics or your ideas. It's really about that person. And then that mm -hmm. person will get to know you. And that's, that's, just, that's, fun to me and that's fun to, to to go through that man that is beautiful i think that's completely it and just i think it's a real challenge yeah. uh to all to all of us you know oh yeah and speaking just to christians to to be willing to step out you know of our comfort zones mm -hmm. and you know meet people where they're at you know and and just legitimately love people right just legitimately love them yeah and and they're going to challenge you on some of the stuff you feel very 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 passionate about like, and then I could say like people with abortion and they're like, no, I, I will not talk to somebody who believes in killing babies. And I get mm -hmm. that. I understand where you're standing from, but you also have to be able to cry. And that's the hardest thing to do. Mm -hmm. It's not just you being able to talk to them may lead them to open their eyes in a different way. Not necessarily you're going to change them. Again, you're the vessel. Yeah, That's what you are as a Christian. And if you say, I can't talk to somebody about something like that, or if it's, I mean, one of my, ugh, that just drives me nuts is when somebody says, I'm going to take the nuclear family out. What? You want to take away the nuclear family. The one thing that we need more of, more people being wow. married, we need more of a mother and father influence we need and, and I, i'm not saying what a nuclear family is right here because sure. i think there could be other ones there could be i mean i'm not going to judge and, I, and this might come off harsh and some people will disagree with me it's a father father and a mother mother but you've got to have something that has some stability and you've got to do that whatever that family looks like and i and there's people that get uh, that have been divorced and they're like i'm single and i'm i i, I wanted it and and i feel for you too that doesn't mean that you support trying to break up families to where it looks like we all could be by ourselves because we're meant to be in relationship and community. And that's very spiritual. God wants us to have a relationship. So how can we say, hey, we're going to be our own because then we're, we're making people narcissists. And that's like, I can take care of myself or I don't need somebody to depend on. We do. We need, we need to do this with humans. But we need to do it with God. And by doing it with humans, we understand God. And how can you not be a vessel? So, I mean, it all is very circular to this. But there's people that believe that way. I have to sit down and talk to them and go, well, let's talk about that. Because I think you're missing the point for whatever reason. So, it, it does open up conversations. I mean, I think that is such a, a needed skill, particularly today. You know, yeah. in such a polarized environment, yeah. you know, in study after study, you're saying that, you know, that we really are literally more polarized, you know, mm -hmm. as a nation now than we've been uh, in not just decades, but maybe going back to the Civil War kind of a time. Yeah. And how much more in a time like that, right, is an opportunity for Christians to cultivate, like actively develop and cultivate a skill of being able to have conversations like kind and gentle right yeah. having patience right being good listeners right and to be able to do that with folks that you may just completely absolutely gutterly you know at a, yeah. at a gut level be like oh I just you know i can't stand what you're talking about right yeah and yet yeah. go you know I, I i really want to hear your perspective and then be able to have because if we're just sitting on either side, just drawing up battle lines, you know, and, yep. and, and just throwing stones, 
and nothing's going to happen, right? It, it comes through relationships and that requires being uncomfortable. It yeah. requires going to people, right? Yeah. And, and, and it requires time, right? That, those things don't, those relationships don't happen instantly and they have, they're going to take time and effort, right? To, to, to be able to legitimately, you know, show the love of Jesus to someone. And and it's not it's not easy, but it's so needed right now. Oh yeah, and you can't do it on Facebook. You can't do it on <laughs> really. No, you, you, you can't. Just, a little sarcasm. <laughs> no, and I know, but I mean, that's where everybody thinks that they're going to be able to do all this. They're going to get right. their point across, and everybody's going to agree with you, and we'll argue until we get our agreement. I'm like, well, you're just arguing to argue, and I I think you know, mm-hmm. I I took a picture of us on my 50th birthday. You know, my mark is there. I'm like, I'm my happy place, the Alamo. And we took a picture and I'm getting everybody saying, happy birthday, happy birthday. And I have one guy go, 50th, where's your mask? Okay, we're at a dinner table eating dinner. And I'm like, going, and I could have, and I wanted to respond, you know, in 50 years, I've learned a lot of things and I, I can do a lot more than anything, but I still haven't figured out how to put food in a mask and in my mouth. I was going to write that, you know, just... I was like, well, in California, it's okay if you sit at a table to take your mask off and be able to mm-hmm. eat as long as we're outdoor. So I gave it, he gave me the thumbs up and he was happy, but he had to lecture. You know what I mean? And I'm like, he was ready, right? He was he ready, was ready, to ready for the fight, ready yep. for the fight. Well, and you diffused it. Why? Why do you, I mean, I, I mean, I, I, my first instinct was like, who is this guy? I don't even, <laughs> you're my friend. I'm like, I don't, you know, but, uh, but I realized all I'm going to do is create a fight, but he got a thumbs up and he's like, because that was something important to him. And I don't know the complexity of his thoughts and feelings on that. Yeah. So who am I to start jumping in there and, and, and dig into that fight? You know, I will fight with people and argue with people sometimes when I know that I can be close to them and I can tell them my feelings and stuff, obviously wife, uh, really close friends. Um, and I know we can work through it eventually, but I mean, in general, you're going to walk around and it's amazing still with your mask on and which is horrible because you can't see people's face now or expressions. Yeah. You're getting half of the expression, but you're going to walk into a seven 11 or you're going to walk into Starbucks and go get a Starbucks or something. We still interact with people. And there's so many opportunities when you interact with somebody. So I said, good morning. You're like, good morning. And they drop their keys. They're like, oh, here's your keys. And like, oh yeah, it's a hot day. Yeah, it is a hot day. I can't believe you know, all of a sudden this conversation's going, Sometimes you want it, sometimes you don't. But realize that's a point where God's, God is in control, believe it or not, in those situations for you to be able to talk to someone. Yeah. So I do think as a Christian, you need to keep your ears and heart open that you are a vessel, that God's going to use you to plant seeds and and people. And you never know. I had one, one guy that <laughs> I was working production when we were really busy, stopped me and goes, I, I was like, how's it going? Good. And he started telling me about some struggles that he was having. And this was like about seven years ago. And I was like, I got to go get to the camera, turn the camera off so that I can make sure the camera, because I only have two minutes before the next service. And I stopped right there. And for five minutes, because I only had two minutes, we had a discussion. And um, it wasn't, you know, he was going through a divorce. And it was five years later, he left our church. And I I mean, I understood because there were certain circumstances. I saw him later and he goes, you know that time that you sit down and talk to me? And I was like, I kind of do remember because he was describing everything. Mm -hmm. He's like, you helped me out so much at that point. You don't realize. And... I just, you know, was trying to get my five minutes in and then, you know, move on. But I, I think that's when I realized that I am that vessel and I did, it wasn't me. It was something that God was needed to get to his, his for him to hear what yep. I was, what he wanted or he needed to hear from God. And I was just the vessel, you know, and not, I, I am not that intelligent of a guy. I really am not. I'm just a vessel. And when I see myself as a vessel, then it works that way. And so that's Dude. where I think that came from. And I think if you understand something like that, um, you can do it. Cause God does speak to you and speak through you. Absolutely. And, well, I mean, when you're saying it, it makes me think of uh, the Apostle Paul at the end of Colossians uh-huh. as he closes out this letter to you know other Christians in the, letter, in the, the city of Colossae. And he says, you know, pray for me that God would open doors for the gospel. 
Yeah. And he uses that metaphor, right, of those conversations, right? Those right. conversations that happen, whether it's at convenience store, or at work, or yeah. you know, passing in the hall at church. Well, all those things are doors, right? right? And mm. the question is, you know, are we praying for it? And then right. if we're praying for it, and, and are we aware of it? Are we looking for yeah, it? Yeah, that's the hard one. Right? And then, yep. if, and then if God opens it, you know, like I got two minutes. You know, you could have said, dude, uh, I'll talk to you later. Right. And nothing ever happened. And the door yep. closes. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. when somebody's, you know, is coming to go, Hey, how are you doing? And, and the question is, do we, do you really mean that? Right. Yeah. Do you really mean that? And so when you say, how are you doing? You can kind of tell, you know, well, that kind of, you can tell, right. And somebody needs that word. They need some time. They need somebody just to listen. Right. And you go, how are you doing? They're like, Oh, I'm fine. Like, no, really? Yeah. How are you doing? Take and it then to you see level. somebody's yeah. like expression change. Like, Oh, you really yeah. want to know. Right. <sighs> Dude. It just opens a door. Right, right. No, and you're, you're, you're so right. In, in reading somebody and understanding, you, you, you gave a great example of that second question. How you doing? Most of us go, oh, good. It's fine. World's great. No, really, how you doing? Right. You could see somebody, if they're like, no, things are fine. Everything's good, you know? They'll tell you. But you can watch, and almost every time you'll see them break down really quick, and they'll say, yeah. well... Right. It's been tough. Because, okay. they, because we want someone to listen. Right. And that's a skill. And it's, a, it's an intentional choice to go, mouth closed, <laughs> ears open, I'm not moving, eye contact. I really care what you have to say. Yeah. And, and, and you need to do it. You know, and the, the hard thing is to do that at work when you have issues with other people or you're doing, mm. you know, on set, but I mean, I can talk on set. I, I don't have a nine to five. I did do a nine to five, but I mean, you're around these people all the time and to ask them, it'll be amazing for you to ask that second question and then test, just test it. Just say, I mean, just give it one shot. Say, how are you doing? Oh, good. No, no, really. How, how are you doing? And if that someone breaks down, pray real quick. <laughs> Yeah. Lord, what do you want right now? What do, what do I need to do? You're, and understand and be humble enough to understand you're not going to, you're not yeah. going to figure this out. And you may not be giving the best words of knowledge or you're, you're, you're there, but just listening and then trying right. to talk through something. I think right. that right there alone is powerful. Oh, it's person. incredibly powerful. I mean, I know yeah. when people, when folks have done that for me, man, it just, it just changes everything. And, and it's not like that you have to have the answer either, right? No. And it's not even that you're no. asking them to have the answer, to have the solution or to work no. it out, you know? It's just, man, that you care. Right, right. You know, that you legitimately really care. You know, the, the, the biblical picture of, you know, weeping with those who weep, right? Right. One of those, you know, so you're coming alongside and you're going, I, like, I, I'm going to, there was this incredible picture of the description between um, sympathy and, and empathy. Yeah. Have you seen that? It's, it's I this cartoon. I have not seen it, but I always talk about sympathy and empathy. Oh, it's huge. <laughs> yeah. It's this cool little cartoon described yeah. to kids. And I'm like, man, uh -huh. I want to show this to every adult. And it's like somebody who's hurting, they fall. It's like a you know, elephant falls into a hole. Yeah. And then a, a little cartoon character comes around, looks in the hole and goes, how you doing? And the elephant starts to tell them and, and they stay up here on top. Right. And that's sympathy. Right. And then uh, another cartoon character comes along, how you doing? And the elephant starts describing it. And the, and the, the cartoon character crawls down into the hole with them. Right. And sits next to him. Right. And you're like, right. oh, that's empathy. Like, I feel it. Yeah. You're willing to go there. And you know, what's interesting that you brought that up is um, when my dad, when I found out my dad had cancer, liver cancer, um, mm. and I didn't know that it was, you know, I didn't, you don't, when well, you learn about cancer really quick, um, there was this guy that I talked to and, um, you know, once I found out and this guy was like, yeah, <laughs> liver cancer is not that great. You know, I'm just going to be honest with you. And I'm like, uh, just, you know, and that, you know, you, you kind of didn't want to hear it, but there, this guy was telling me, he's like, you have got to spend as much time with him mm -hmm. and to do whatever it takes, whatever financial, you know, call him, just talk. Cause not only what he's going through, it's going to help you. And that guy was you, Robert. Oh. And that was you who had gone through a similar situation understood yeah. that you took the moment, you know, to sit there and say, Hey, I know what you're about to go through. And I, this is the words of advice. And I took it heart and I spent as much time 
I made my lease of my car go because <laughs> I drew so many miles trying to New Mexico. And I was like, I don't care. I'll pay for it because that precious last bit of time and what he had to deal with mentally and what he had to deal with physically mm-hmm. and his fight for that. But you were a vessel at that time of Mm -hmm. God talking to me what I needed to do. And that's another example of you had empathy because you had Mm -hmm. been down there and Mm -hmm. you knew what that hole was like. You know, it wasn't sympathy, like, because you didn't know. You were, I had people at that time who were like, oh, your dad has cancer. I go, have you ever had anyone? No, no, but I I mean, I I bet that's horrible. The person that could Mm -hmm. actually be there and has been there and not that you have to be, but you could be, sympathy is not a bad thing, but mm-hmm. somebody that, ha, that can, can be listening and be the vessel at that time is, is my point. And that's what you were. And you can empathize wow. on what I was dealing with at the time. And it was a very uh, powerful and a very uh, important moment for me um, listening to you. And, and, I, and I knew that was God speaking, you know, at that time too, saying, hey, go hang out with your pops, you know? <laughs> Man, well, thanks for sharing that, buddy. Yeah, that mm-hmm. my uh, father-in-law, uh, yeah. Lori's dad, um, developed cancer, and uh, uh, so it was the same deal, you know. And we talked about that. Of you know, it was just brutal watching him go downhill for you know a year, and and uh, we were in Austin and and got to move out to San Diego. Lord opened the door for us to do that, and that was back in uh, you know like '99, and and that last six months. Uh, it was really precious getting to spend time with him because um, he had become dad to me. Yeah, and, that's what you said. You know, and, and having those conversations where, you know, we would, his, his thing was uh, every Saturday, he had this tradition, he would take uh, his dog, it was a, a Australian kind of sheep dog, um, a collie, and uh, named Bear. Uh-huh. And they would go to uh, Ninth Avenue Donuts uh, every Saturday morning. Yeah. And Bear would sit there in the in the passenger seat. <clears throat> Doug would get his donut and coffee, read the paper, but he always got donut holes for Bear. <laughs> <laughs> and and it was like a you know, a really gentle dog, so he called him Barely. Barely. So it was barely a dog. <laughs> <laughs> and that was their tradition. So yeah. when when we went back and um, you know, he's sick and you know, know that he's you know, his time is short. One of the sweet things was being able to go on those Saturday mornings in yeah. in Barely's place, you know, and and be able to sit with them and just yeah. talk about life and lessons learned and and just you know really sweet sweet times. Yeah, and um, you know it's it's that picture of scripture of you know the God of all comfort, the Second Corinthians one, the God of all comfort who comforts yeah. us, right? And then in that comfort, God gives us then we're able to comfort others with the comfort God has given us. Yeah, absolutely. And it's that very thing that God had comforted me through that. And then seeing you, you know, in a similar situation, it's like, okay, that God, that comfort that God had given to to extend that. And I I think that comes through relationship, you know, right? Right. It's being there. And I like how you keep saying over and over again, being a vessel. And that's just really a great way to describe it, being a vessel and being a willing vessel, you know? Right. Well, I mean, Let's think about it. When you get saved, the Holy Spirit does come through you, through you, and is part of you. Right. Not say you know, in, if God's in you, you're a vessel. That's right. If God's, if the Holy Spirit is within you, and those weird voices that you hear once in a while, I hear more than just weird voices. <laughs> Being an artist. <laughs> The kids tell me, you and Mark are the best friends, aren't you? And I'm like, yeah. But there is that, that God's voice is there. It really is there in you. And, and you yeah. don't, don't, don't question that. Hey, is that me kind of guiding this? No, it's not you. It's small. You didn't hear throughout you know, history, the, the description, you're in songs, everything. Yes. You know, that still, small voice, you know, and it's just that urging that, you know, the spirit, you know, listen or stop. Right. You know, ask them how they're doing. You know, have you called that person? Well, you know, come alongside. Yeah, right. Right. No, and, and it is. It's and 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 pray. You don't have to, dear Lord mm. Jesus, all the time. God, what do you need me to do right now? That's a prayer. <laughs> yeah, right. God, where are you guiding me right now? You don't have to stop and go. Hold on a second. How are you doing? It's tough. Okay, him, dear Lord Jesus, how are things going? What am I supposed to? It's just like. Uh, 
God, Lord. What do I, help me here. <laughs> well, help. you get the example a while ago when you're talking about, you know, as a director and, you know, you're having a conversation and all of a sudden the person's, you know, the conversation goes a particular way and, you know, and you're like, oh, Lord, guide me. Like, man, well, that's powerful because that, that's an open door. You're being a vessel. Okay, Lord. And, and there in that moment, boom, right? And accept. You know, yeah. accept that this person isn't you or sees life through you. There, it's mm. their way. They're not going to see it the same way you're going to see it. So yeah. what is it like to be in their shoes? And why are they asking you? And understand that they're needing something there. So you got to understand that is that at that point, when that situation does happen, our tendencies, even with Facebook or whatever, social media, I always go to Facebook. I, I love Facebook. I still do. But I mean, it, social media is like to defend ourselves. But it's not. What mm-hmm. it is, is like, pretend like you're in their situation. They're really needing something at that point. What is it that they need? They don't, may not wow. see the world like you do. So what? This is how they see the world. How can you help wow. them with what they're seeking at that point? Because they're seeking wow. something. Definitely seeking something. There you go. And again, yeah. you know, okay, being that yep. vessel, right? It's not about winning an argument, but being the vessel. So ultimately, my greatest goal, you know, is do they come to know like the Lord, right? Right. And right. so I could win an argument and lose the battle. Absolutely, absolutely. And it doesn't matter there when it all comes down to it. Can you help them or plant the seed? Yeah. Because if you're a vessel, you're either planting the seed, or sometimes that seed is it's there already, and you yeah, just don't watering. know where it's at. So the seed's been there, and mm-hmm. now you're actually actually putting that miracle growth on it real quick, <laughs> and right. you may have to deal with it right then and there. <laughs> yeah. But who cares about the camera that's going to be up in two minutes when you got right. a five minute, ten minute? 15 minutes that you need to sit there and be able to yeah. talk to them about Jesus and talk to them about, hey, you can, your life can change. And I'm sure you've many more times because you claim you're a pastor, you claim, you have to, or not claim, you, you say you're a pastor, all of a sudden people go, oh, I can talk to a pastor or a priest or you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm a filmmaker. <laughs> well, what does that mean? You know, mm. they don't know I'm undercover minister. <laughs> That's right. Right. (laughs) And it opens more doors, right? It opens a lot more doors. You're an undercover minister. And and not that you, again, the minister doesn't look like, hey, let me tell you about Jesus Christ, your personal savior. You need to be saved or you're going to go to hell. Who wants to hear that on the other side? Right. Right. What they want to hear is like, I'm, you know, I'm struggling, you know, with Mm. relationships or something. I'm like, well, let's talk about it. Let's talk, you know, and you don't have to bring up, well, Paul says, and, you know, you do not have to bring that. You just start that relationship and then it starts to build and they start to see that, hey, you've got something in your life and you got something and it's, you know, actually you're the vessel. You, you got something that I want and yeah. I need. And that's how you do it. And it's, and you're not perfect. You make sure you tell everybody you're not perfect or you're not, you know, you're just like them. And we are, we're all you like, we're all like each other. You got it. Showing them just uh, show yeah. them the love of Jesus, right? Yeah. And then open you know, those, door, those doors that are walking through them. And I'm, I'm not saying that there's not going to be a point where you can say that. I'm not, but I'm just saying in general, when you're, when you're, they're not seeking scripture, they're not seeking, they're seeking a relationship and they wonder yeah. where, what kind of relationship you have and how do you get that kind of, I mean, a lot of people have broken relationships out there. They don't get it. Yeah, and totally. Like, you're like, well, I'm have this relationship from here to here, and, and you model it and develop to, that relationship, and then slowly, you know, those doors will open, and you'll be able to share the gospel and bring those scriptures that God brings it to mind. And it may not open. It's just a seed. Maybe you got, exactly. you got like, at this point, it's a seed, or maybe the doors will open, or maybe it'll come five years later and say, hey, you did something great for me. You just don't know. But stop. Just stop. Just it sucks, but sometimes you just got to stop and quit being um, judgmental and going, "Okay, here's a problem," or "Here, you're, you're." I don't agree with you. I'm going to argue with you. Just, just stop. Stop all that, Lord. What do you need me to do? What do I need to say? What What is He saying? What What? Yeah. How can I be here, present? You nailed it, man. Yeah. Well, dude, it's just been a delight getting to sit and hang with you and talk, buddy. Yep. You know, and uh, I look forward to our Tuesday production meetings. <laughs> always the most entertaining. Of all, you know, <laughs> it's just always with the, entertaining. With the us. four of us get together and it's just, it's good. You know, it's just one of those things where, you know, when God brings such a good group of folks together and, and there's trust, you know, 
and and you see just the strengths in the team, you know, and you go, man, this this is something that God's put together, and I think it's special. Oh, yeah. And so I love you, dude, and I'm glad uh, to get too, to man. hang out with you, man. And yep. and uh, so thank you, you for taking me time. On Robert Cavins Productions. <laughs> <laughs> on there you go, LLC. There you go. <laughs> Robert Cavins LLC. Love it. Uh, no, I'm very proud. I'm honored to be here, and I just can't wait to see other people who get are able to be be on this because it's. I think just real quick. Yeah. I love that we're doing this and reaching out um, and being able to see people's stories. And I think it's such a great thing because in a world that's in isolation, it becomes a bigger world and it's not, we're not as isolated anymore because we get to see people and talk to people. And if anybody wants to reach out and have coffee or want to talk, I'm all game. There you go. There you so, go. Mark Gould and your stuff. So you go to northpark.com yep. and uh, you'll see your uh, uh, beautiful mug there on the uh, staff Ugly page <laughs> and mark.gould at northpark.com and, uh, you know, Jump get a in. chance to chat with you too as well, man. Yep. All right, buddy. Well, hey, thank you again. Good to have you here. And for uh, another episode of uh, one, right? There's one body and many stories and, you know, uh, hope uh, to see you next time. Uh, friends as we get to hear these stories and learn just the incredible way that God is at work in people's lives and gets to know each other on a deeper level. Take care. We'll see you again. Bye-bye.